In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood what has been made so that men are without excuse. Don't normally sit outside and see the stars at night. Some of you that live out in the country get a great view, but recently uh, was at a retreat and the stars were shining so bright and I looked up and I just imagined how small we are in the scope of God's grandeur. And when I thought of this song, Curtis, thank you for singing it, I began to think of just that and I'm was thoughtful of the words that Paul shared. Um, that men are without excuse because of the grandeur that God has. I was looking on the internet, and it must be true, that uh, scientists have for a long time, and I don't know if, if you kids here, I don't know if there's any presentation of God in the creation of the world. When I was growing up, there was some, but not much. And what we have watched our country do is slowly take God out of the picture of creation. But I have read many, many times, even recently, how scientists have rethought how creation has taken place. And I'll try not to bore you with some of the things that I'm going to say. Hopefully, I'll get through them quickly. Um, when they have had the Hubble telescope and they look back, they have seen that the universe is spreading apart at a particular speed. And they have made calculations that had the speed of the bang that they call uh, been one hundred hundredth of a second slower, it would have collapsed back on itself. And I don't, the only way I can explain this is maybe some of you have seen uh, some spy movies and seen a submarine explode in the ocean and it explodes and then it's the pressure of the ocean just takes it back like a tin can and squeezes it to nothing because of the pressure of the ocean. And these scientists say that had the speed been slightly less, the expansion would not have taken place. Had it been slightly more, there wouldn't be any chance for Earth or any of the places to form. Now, I don't know about all this. I'm not a scientist. I remember going through school and they talked about something called DNA. Um, two guys, one named Watson and one named Crick, were able to come up with the structure of a DNA molecule. DNA was actually discovered in 1869, but Watson and Crick uh, in 53 took credit for that. And all I remember is a, a something that was described like a, a ladder that is twisted. It was called a double helix. And I re remember names like uh, DNA deoxyribonucleic acid and adenine, guanine, cytosine, and thymine, and uracil if it's RNA. And I don't remember very much of what all that meant. 
It has been said that there is enough information on the pinhead of DNA to fill books that go 5,000 times around the earth. And I remember something Solomon said that men have from the beginning tried to understand from whence they came, and it is impossible for them to do so. I'm amazed that scientists even today are beginning to realize that there was an intelligent design and that there was a beginning. Some of them call it a Big Bang. But they realized that there was a beginning. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, it said, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. What some of those scientists are now calling that is a space continuum. I know you may have heard that on some ideas, but in the very beginning... In the book of Genesis, it says, In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth. And so, in that period of seven words, or eight words, or ten words, um, there is a description of the beginning of the world. I know that throughout my life, I have been challenged to look at and think about how God created something from nothing. And I'm guessing you have too. I'm guessing that you've thought about, well, how did this all come about? Well, I have been consistent in saying I think it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian because if you have faith enough to say that something came from nothing without intelligent design, that's a lot of faith. As for me, I accept that God created the heavens and the earth. Because if you say that something was created from nothing when two things came together, I say, where did those two things come from? And then you're posed with that question, and then you go further and further and further until you finally run out of things. If you've ever laid in bed at night and wondered about your faith in God, if you've ever wondered about how God did these things, you're not alone. I know I have. I've wondered and I've marveled at how he was able to do that. You know, but just as clearly, just as clearly as it is that God created the heavens and the earth, the angels, everything, there is a force that was there also in Genesis 3 called the serpent. And I never understood how that serpent was able to talk and how he was able to convince Eve to do something that perhaps she would not ordinarily have wanted to do. But when he did convince her to do that, and there was a curse put on mankind to the man and to the woman, one of the first predictions was, he will bruise your heel and you will crush his head. And that prediction had to do with Satan's work. I think a lot of times in today's society we don't realize how real Satan is. And we don't realize and give respect to the fact that he is a real entity. Not only is he spoken of in Genesis 3, if you go to the book of Job, you can see quite clearly 
that Satan is coming before God just as the angels are coming before God. Satan is called the accuser. You know the story about Job, how God allowed Satan to do certain things. And you saw how Job's life was completely stripped by the work of Satan. God, Job remained faithful. And God blessed him in the end with more than he had to start with. We also know that Satan is alive in the New Testament. After all, it was Satan who tempted Jesus after he was baptized. And he had gone 40 days and 40 nights. And he tempted him with bread, with throwing himself off the temple, and with worshiping him. I always thought it interesting that Satan could be so naive as to think that the Creator who participated in the creation, nothing was made that was not made through his hand, according to 1 John, could actually tempt or try to tempt the Son of God. But this is recorded as history that he did in fact do that, and there was conversation. And the interesting thing is that Satan did leave him until a more opportune time, I believe is what the scripture says. There are other scriptures that talk about him. Two in particular. One is from John and one is from Peter. And there are others, but I didn't include them today. John, who writes the beautiful book of 1 John, where we talk about walking in the light as he is in the light, and we get all of our excitement and inspiration of, of walking with Jesus, also comments and Chapter 5, verse 19, that the world is under his power. The prince of this world, he doesn't say the prince of this world, but the wicked one. In 1 Peter 5 and 8, he says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In the bulletin today, uh, there is a scripture on the front where Patrick talks about that the, the disciples are rejoicing because the demons have submitted to them. We read a lot about demons in the New Testament. Um, we talk about them differently today uh, in cases of either epilepsy or, or demons that are, are in people. My question is, do we underestimate the power of Satan? Do we underestimate his ability to win our hearts and minds? I don't know why there is a Satan. I don't know why. But everything I read from the Bible says he is real. He is a deceiver. He is a liar. And he will pull us in a direction that we don't want to go. He seems to make things look good that aren't good. As I told you, I don't get to see or go out and see the stars and, and be in nature as much as maybe I would like to or think about. What I find myself is indoors. A lot. 
and I sit in front of something called the TV. And I think you can watch TV most all the time and not see very much about things that are great and good. There are some. But there are a lot of things that, that it teaches about depending on ourselves. You watch the commercials. And it has to do with lifting ourselves up and wanting to be the best that we can be through how we take care of ourselves. When we take care of ourselves and when we lift ourselves up, there's only one problem. We fall short. And when we fall short, we understand, and it's most of the time that we understand it would be a good time to pray. A lot of times I'll confess that I haven't done that until those times come. I'm guessing I'm maybe not the only one that's done that. But the question is, is what does God want us to do? It's not what do we want us to do. And the last verse of that song, uh, When Christ Shall Come, it talks about, Then I will proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Jesus said, you know, even the demons believe and they shudder. That doesn't mean that uh, they're going to heaven. I want to read to you a verse from Philippians 2. Actually, it'll be a few verses. Beginning, and I believe it's verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." It didn't leave out anyone when it said every tongue will confess. Um, because when he comes, there won't need to be faith because it'll be sight. And everyone will be forced to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Uh, the unfortunate thing is, by the time that happens, there may not be help for everyone. I love to read this verse in Matthew chapter 25. But what I normally do is I read the good side of it. Today I'm not going to read the good side of it. Matthew chapter 25 verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, 
and you did not look after me. Then those who had failed to do that said the same thing as those who had done it. When did we not? The ones who had done it said, when did we? And Jesus' answer was, as you did it to the least of my brother and you did it unto me. The thing that we need to consider is whose side are we living on? Can we, go, can we be going about our life believing in God and be in opposition to God? You know, as much as I hate to say it, because I love to be on the positive side of things, and the book of Romans, the, the beautiful book of Romans, even Paul brings up that we shall be judged, and each one of us shall give an account before God. I'm so anxious to go to Colossians and, and read uh, selections from Paul that will be covered in the blood of Jesus. I'm so anxious to do that. But there's a side of the gospel that points out consequences of sin. There's a part of the Bible that says this is what happens. The good thing that I choose to believe is that we are covered by the blood of Jesus. And Mac, yes, we are made perfect. The question is, do we claim it? Do we claim it every day? In our small groups the other day, we talked about the parable of the talents. The guy, the one guy that had one talent, he buried it. We said, wonder what would happen with a guy that had five talents if he had buried it. Would he not be judged just as harshly? And then I spoke to the group and I said, you know, in most of discussions, when we talk to people, we say, are you a one, two, or five talent person? Most of the one. We don't live sinless lives. We are declared sinless. because we depend on the grace of Jesus. When we live every day in his grace, who should be the happiest people? Who should be the people that love each other?
We should be with people that want to do for other people. We talk about unity. Folks, we don't, we don't seek unity for unity's sake. We seek unity in Christ Jesus. We who are believers, we who have claimed Jesus is our Lord. Have a wonderful gift. Do we step on that gift? Do we step on it and give Satan a hold? Do we step on it by the way we act or the way we fail to act? You know, the next song that we're going to sing is a song called Amazing Grace. I'm going to claim the words of the author of that song. Two things I know. I'm a great sinner, and God, or Christ, is a great Savior. The first verse of that song that we're going to sing. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. In Luke 15, there was a son who squandered what he had and demanded to leave. And he came back and his father had a great party for him. And he said, my son was dead, is now is alive. He was lost, but now is found. In John 9, there was a man that was blind from birth. Jesus healed him, made him whole. And there were so many questions about who was this man? What did he do? And the blind man said, I don't know. All I know is that I was blind, but now I see. As we prepare to sing that song, I want us to think about the challenges that we have in our own lives. And I want us to, I want us to think about what God has given us and I want us to think about what Satan would love to take away. We fall short. I fall short. The question is, is what do we do with what we got? Do we, do we hide it? Do we bury it? Or do we proclaim it in the name of Jesus and try to do good with what little or much he has given us?
Think about where we are today. Think about where you are today. Some of you may have not made a step to claim Jesus Christ as your Lord. You may have put it off. You may be thinking, well, I'm not sure there is a God. I hope this has given you pause to think about that. Maybe some say, I'm ready to do what it takes to become a Christian. With everything that I read in this Bible, and I've looked at it from many, many different ways, from someone who was sprinkled to someone who has read, and I believe, given my best shot at understanding, that Jesus does want to confess him before men. That he does want us to be baptized and As Romans chapter 6, verses 3 following says, you are reenacting the death, burial, and the resurrection. It's not just for a cleansing in 1 Peter 3, 21. I think God said do that. I know he did, according to Matthew 28. And I know from the Bible that when the people who actually had crucified Christ were confronted with that by Peter in Acts 2, and they finally got to the point and said, what should we do? He told them to be baptized for the mission of their sins. And that is the beginning. My goodness, it's only the beginning. Most folks in here have been through that. Most folks, when they think back on that time in their lives, remember it fondly. And they remember that was perhaps one of the happiest times in their lives and the biggest decision they'd ever made. But just, just, like, just like Jesus was tempted right after he was baptized... Not this baptism, but after he was baptized, he needed not to be baptized except to fulfill things. He was tempted by Satan, and so are we. And that temptation looked so sweet. It looked so the right thing to do. And then we realize whether we're children or grown-ups that it wasn't. And we feel ashamed. And we hide our light. And we don't do the things that we've been given the God-given talent to do. That is Satan. He holds us back and our witness is gone. And Satan won. He won when we don't share. He won when we're not able to get those things out. I ask you to rethink that part of your life. 
if Satan has won or won a battle. But as long as you're breathing, that battle's not over. If you have something that you would share a praise with the church or a prayer from the church, the time is now. Now is the acceptable time. If you have that need or that desire, please make that known as we stand and sing.
our sister Diane McFadden comes this morning saying that um, she's depressed, it's hard for her to function, and she believes this is because of the loss of Jerry. So at this time, we're going to pray for her. I'm going to ask you to love her, put your arms around her. Let us pray. Father, at this time we pray for Diane. We just pray that you lift her up, that those around her that love her do the same. We pray that uh, you show her purpose and meaning in her life, Father. We pray for this for the entire family, Father, because we know it's not just her but the kids also. We thank you for that marriage and the longevity of it, Father. And we just continue to pray blessings on Diane during this time. In Christ's name, amen. In closing this morning, I have a few announcements I want to make. Uh, there's see Roxanne's back with us today and we say a prayer of thanksgiving for that uh, she's got a smile back on her face and I really it never left but uh, I know she's feeling a lot better um, also want to continue to pray for Caleb Keel as he recovers uh, for Joel Casey uh, visited with Joel yesterday he's in great spirits uh, I want to thank everyone who has visited him Asked you continue to do that because he still still has a long road, but uh, he's very positive. Uh, he's very thankful for those that have came and visited him, and uh, he's thankful for Jody Humphrey for coming and aggravating him every once in a while too. Shared a couple of stories about that yesterday. Um, we had a great uh, tragedy. Uh, here in town yesterday, there was a young high school senior, uh, Paris High School senior, Raven Dowd, uh, who was accidentally shot and killed yesterday. Uh, people in this congregation that knows her and loves her, uh, want to pray for that family and all her classmates as well. Uh, if you will be standing in this... Uh, Grab the hand of the person next to you and let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your love and your care. The grace and the hope and the love that you give us. Father, today we lift Diane up to you. We continue to pray for her. Just pray that, again, you lift her from depression, Father. For those that we have mentioned that are back with us and those that are in the healing process, we just pray you continue to wrap your arms around them. Let us spend time and effort to uh, encourage those people, Father. For the young girl that was tragically killed, we, we pray for her family, 
and for her friends and her classmates, Father, and we just pray that uh, those that can will help uh, them through this tragic time, Father, and that they will all look to you for guidance and love, Father. We thank you for Keith, for his message and his challenge that he gave us today, and we do pray that daily we realize that we do need to fight Satan. We pray for your help in that, Father. Father, we pray for all those that are not with us this morning, Father, that are traveling during this, this time of uh, vacation for them, and we just pray to keep them safe, Father, and bring them back home, Father. We love you, and we thank you for loving us. In Christ's name, amen.